Hey guys, it's Joseph again from Team Tatro, and today I have another Tatro Radio podcast for you guys. Today we're doing another interview show, and today's interview is with Nandu. So Nandu is a underground techno and house producer from Copenhagen, and he combines a lot of different inspirations into his music, just like I'm sure all of you do. But before we get into that interview, I just want to remind everybody about all the things that Tatro has going on. So Tatro is streaming every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday at youtube.com slash Tatro. Go over there, watch the streams, check out the membership options. If you become a member at the VIP tier, you can get the space sample pack for free. And also there will be a new sample pack coming out in June. So if you become a member soon, you'll be able to get the space sample pack. And then when the new sample pack comes out in June, if you are still a member, you will be able to get that sample pack for free as well. So we're getting to be a great time to become a member. Also, check out controlfreakclub.com. There's some great designs up there, great apparel, t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, some stickers and things like that. So make sure you go check all of that out. But without further ado, let's just get into the interview. course we want to get in to the interview with our guests so please allow me in welcoming our friend uh nandu welcome how are you today thanks for joining uh, oh i'm fine today you know here i know it's morning morning for me evening yeah and here's the evening after a busy day uh lockdown is coming to an end here in copenhagen and i have a second job in a music venue here wow we're starting to get ready for a new season hopefully we'll have our first concert the 6th of may wow it's an indie venue and what i do there is i I, you know i'm care of the staff and do like shift planning and stuff like this yeah wow is there a lot more preparation going into that and with like any new regulations or things because of covid (laughs) Um, yeah, there is a lot of that, and also it's actually we did not open after summer last year, uh, so it's not we haven't been open since the yeah March last year. So there's also a, right now everyone like from the the managing director to the to the bartenders are just cleaning and preparing, painting, rebuilding some stuff to be able to host more people there. Yeah, because of the restrictions. So, yeah. So a lot of stuff is going on and spring actually really arrived this like a few days ago. So now it's been almost 20 degrees, which is very nice for us here. It's over That's tomorrow great. though, but today it's been super nice. I don't know if you can see, but I have, I'm a little tan now. Actually. Nice. Wow. So yeah. spring is in the air indeed. Well, hey, like I said, like, thanks so much for being on the show. I know we have a lot of like... Um, kind of beginner home studio music producers or maybe not beginners maybe intermediate etc but people doing their own thing learning about music production um producing from home and i want to kind of get into you and your story um because i think when artists share kind of their story how they got into this whole world and how they kind of survive in it i think it's it's helpful because that story doesn't always get shared and people need people need other roadmaps to see like what is possible for them so i would love to hear just like um in the terms of music, in terms of being an artist, like how do you define yourself and how do you define what you do as an artist? So for me, like it's never been a choice to not be an artist. You know, I've been playing music since I was a kid. I I played the trumpet for many years, played in a brass band. Nice. Uh, in, a, in a small city outside of uh, Copenhagen. Uh, at, then I like I really went into studying music theory uh, 
while playing the trumpet. But then one day I just, I never really. Oh, we just lost your audio. Looks like something switched off or something. Oh, something. I can hear the wire. Maybe. Sounds like it could. So can you hear? Yes, I can hear you now. Can you hear? Perfect. We'll use, there's a built-in microphone in my microphone. So oh, that's perfect. Good. Yeah. And it sounds good now? Yeah, it sounds good. Perfect. So what I was saying was that I spent a lot of time on studying class, more classical music. And then one day I, I saw an interview with Trendemüller, like the big Danish hero. Uh, audio is fine? Audio is good. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So yeah, I saw a video with him and he was like, hey, I bought this cheap uh, like computer in the supermarket and now I'm making electronic music. And I guess I was maybe, I'm a, I was about 15 years. And then almost from one day to another, I switched into that. This idea of just creating music with no kind of boundaries around it, just really, it was very inspiring for me. And from that on, I just kept on making music, developing. I've been DJing for a bit more than 10 years. I started out in a duo. I've been doing solo stuff and everything. But for me, it's always been about the music, right? Yeah. Uh, I just said before, which I think is very interesting. It's, it's always interesting to hear like behind the curtain stories about artists, right? Because totally. I, th I think if you look at my Instagram, it looks like, you know, my life is just sitting in the studio and whatever and for example this last year has been f a fucking nightmare right because I there was no it. income and yeah yeah everyone knows this right so but i've my point is that i've always had like a second job and i have i started i went to university i got a degree in middle eastern history i've been working in the music business for a lot of years uh, and this has always been like 30 percent of a passion Sure. But 70% was always like creating music. I totally appreciate you saying that because I think it is easy to get caught up in the social media game of just, you know, obviously we as artists want to put out like our best image, right? Like, and we put out like, what do we do as producers, as musicians? That's what we show to the world. But we don't always talk about like, oh, the second job or um, the studies that people don't even know about. So I really appreciate you bringing that up because that's important. Yeah, and also because, but that's also a thing for me because when you make art, I've I see myself creating art. Uh, I mean, you you need to be aware of your own thoughts, and the best way of doing that is to like to 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 study, you know, to read, yeah. to talk to people, and to also it's very important for me to be outside my own bubble. Yeah, because if I just sit here and have a good time about my own music, or stay in a club where people like me, right? Then, then you're kind of blind to what life is also really like, if you, if you get my point. Yeah, it is also about like uh, the art and the music that we create is our reaction to the world. It's our reflection on the world around us. So yeah, if you're exactly. not doing anything other than music, I mean, like I had a pretty not great college experience at a state university here in, in the States, but it was like a liberal arts college, which meant I had to take a lot of different classes other than just music classes. And I think that that's one of the biggest benefits of that kind of program, because you get exposed to different literature, different areas of study. So like, you're not just in this bubble, like you said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, th I think a lot of people maybe I felt that also when, you know, 
I'm, I like I talk to a lot of artists outside of the electronic music world, especially through my job at this venue I was talking about in my earlier jobs in the music business, and I feel that there is kind of people feel a little shamed of doing something else than music. And I also often hear people like, so this was so liberating for me because from one from this day, I started to living only from music. And my opinion is that it doesn't matter if you live only from music. Yeah, it depends on how much you live for the music. You know, that that's what the art is about. Yeah. And also, as we said, like what, whatever art you're creating, if there's nothing to reflect in your art from real life, then for what is it worth, right? Exactly. I think that that's super poignant what you say. You don't have to live from the art. You have to live for the art. That's perfect. Man, that's that's all you right there, that quote? Wow. Yeah. So that's it for today. Thank all you very right. much. And that'll be <laughs> it for Tatro Talk. That's funny. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, that's a great daily shot of inspiration, chat. I hope you took that in. Write that down somewhere, chat. But that's great. I want to uh, rewind a little bit and go back to you talking yeah. about being a part of that brass band and then converting and then going into electronic music because I, I think it's interesting that you noted about like the freedom of electronic music and uh, the nature of that. Do you want to talk about like the differences and coming from a more maybe classical world to transitioning into the electronic yeah, world sure. and what that was like? Sure. Yeah, of course. Like for me, the a big factor in this development was also my age, right? So when I was a kid, I wanted to play music. My parents said, let's do that. It took me to music school. And so I started like my technical and my skill set, that background started there. I started practicing and like, I, you know, I read notes perfectly and can play from like notes on the trumpet, whatever. Yeah. But But the process of like writing and creating, for me, it feels like, in the more classical sense of music theory, there's you have to work for so many years before you start creating. You just like you learn how to master an instrument and learn to play others' music, and then at some point you'll start to write. Maybe, of course, people start to write earlier, but I did not because in this band it was yeah, you know there was not room for that. Right. So I just played what they gave me, and it was very fun with a lot of young people, and a lot. Of, and actually, it was a kind of a weird constellation of people because there was like super old people and kids and like people in between or whatever. Um, so it was also a very it was a social project, really. But for me, it, I always felt like missing something. There was something missing to this. I did not feel like yes all the time. I was right. more like yeah, this is like what I want to do. Bit. Was it like a yeah, the creation exactly. aspect that you were missing? I, today I think so, yeah. But I did not know at the time because I was fifteen years old, right? Right. Um, but it was definitely, you know, that because I know you know this, but you know that when you when you when you play music and you like if you produce music. When you forget about time and space, I know this sounds like a cliche, but everyone who does it knows yeah. that it's, it's real, right? So this point was missing. I, know, I was never sitting there between these other 25 uh, people and thinking, wow, what did just happen to the two, last two hours? It was more like, oh, so there soon a break. And right. yeah. So in terms of that, I, I think it was the writing that, that I was, or the creating part that I was missing. Uh, at least that's how I feel now, because also in this week's uh, in my in this uh, masterclass in the weekend, I will talk a little bit about how to how I arrange music, 
because I tend to hear a lot of people talking about it's so hard to finish a track. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and for me that part is not hard at all because it's just business as usual. That's maybe and that's maybe where the music theory come in just to finish it and then on top of that add the creativity. Just make a skeleton skeleton. I don't know what you call it, like the the yeah. the red thread, the the base of the track. And then it then it in terms of minutes it will be over it will be finished, and but if you on top of that, you add, you close your eyes and all this you know have all this weird magic happen. Yeah. On top of that, then your track is finished, and people often look into the DAW, and see and it's like it's not finished yet. Yeah, the track maybe it will take you know I've for me I make mostly house music and techno, like the all elements that you really need to make a track good. It's over in 16 bars. That's it. Yeah. Then it's just how you arrange it, right? Yeah. And the arrangement is often, of course, you have to be creative. But if you can, if you maybe start to put the creative part aside, just do it the way you normally do. And then afterwards, start to play around with it. Then it's easily done. Yeah. I feel I, that you bring up a good point because uh, I, I do a lot of streams where I'll be like, you know, making music from scratch. And then I always kind of put it to the audience like, hey, should we finish this track or should we start a new one? And it usually is overwhelmingly people want to see me start a new one because I think that's a little more yeah, exciting yeah. because it, does, it comes down to it. it's the eight to 16 bar loop that you when you arrange it across the timeline, it's a little more te tedious and it is a little more like work. I wonder for you, can you like put a little more words to the idea of like you, you talk about you're living for the music. Music is the passion. But what is the line of like, yes, you do it because you love it. But then there's also work to be done. Like how? Like what is the discipline you've built up to get that that half done? The work part. I mean, like in life, there's always you have to. I don't know if you can say this in English, but but in Danish we have a saying saying you take the sweet with the sour. No, you take the sour with the sweet. Sure. Do you say that? Yeah. Um, and it's the same with music. But for me, it's from I was about I think seventeen years old. I'm I'm thirty today. For maybe six, seven, eight years, I was in the studio every day, wow. five hours, something like this. And I was working with a guy called Thomas. His, uh, his artist name is Radekt. He's also doing electronic music. And we were like just there every day and we made so many tracks and most wow. of them were extremely shitty, right? But we did the work with like, so we just, we got a routine. So it, for me, it's just, it's so easy to say, okay, it's done now. What will I do? What? Okay, now we need some energy here. What should I do? I'll just do it because that's the like how you like if you play trumpet, you need to read the notes, right? Yep. You need to learn to count and all this shit. And if you do electronic music, of course you need to know how your gear works, but you also need to have like this kind of skills overview, like a DAW and what. For example, I know if we there's a drop here and there's not enough energy. What should I do then? Then I will just remove four bars and put in something that's building up or whatever it is. But this is just some skills that takes time to, to like, to master. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I always got a lot of questions like, so how many years did it took for you to, to learn to use I work in logic. And it's like, that was not so many years, but to get the routine in logic takes years and a lot of tracks. Yeah. need to finish tracks and i mean the way i work is I, I, a lot of my friends who's doing music they're like you know spending so much time on last details and stuff and i have like after working a few hours with it if it's, if it's not working i'll just throw it out because 
then it's not then the like the fun part is over yeah and i'll just start struggling and that's yeah so do you find that, that gets a little do you find that you base your workflow around like what comes easiest to not easiest but what kind of flows rather than like trying to force something to work is that kind of your mindset yeah because i think that's what i learned from like playing more classical music was that if it does not feel good i get bored instantly right so if if i create a, a like let's say i make a groove and then i start to play around something oh that's this melody and then i make something and i settle on it pretty quickly then i have some techniques to like maybe make it more interesting if i don't feel it 100 this i can work on it for for like a few hours or something but if nothing comes i will also throw out the beat right because the fun part is creating i don't think it's fun editing absolutely much. so how do you get yourself to that editing phase do you try to make it as uh as, do you try to get the process down so it's like the same every time as much as possible or like what is your trick to getting yourself just over that that hump it, i guess it goes back to the sweet and the sour yeah but uh, i think like normally when i when i start making a track i don't care very much about uh the mix for example yeah. i don't care much about that i just care about the sonic feeling that like if i have a hi-hat does it feel good and on top of that then i put a bass like oh does it feel good not out or if it, and if it feels good just like keep it here and then i build from there and then at some point as it also said before if i start to get bored it's gone i lose interest and then i will you know then like five minutes later i'll be like oh you're so you're such a fucking shitty producer you will never do anything with this in this life even right you i guess you know of the feeling of course i know yeah, yeah, every, exactly i think every yeah yeah it doesn't matter yeah. what you do or what level of uh what level you're at i think everybody feels that i i feel that all the time i think i was probably feeling that yesterday <laughs> you know like it just happens yeah, yeah yeah exactly so so the people also ask me about what do I, what do I, how do i start a track yeah and sometimes I remember one time I said in an interview and afterwards I was like, okay, this is not, you sound like a fucking idiot. But I, my answer was, uh, with sound. <laughs> and then it was like, okay, that was pretty arrogant and that <laughs> it doesn't give anything to the listener. But the, the point is that I don't really, some people always start with the kick, for example, right. if it's dance music. I, I start with whatever, like whatever comes to my mind often a track could start outside the studio with an idea for like okay i just have an idea of this simple kick and maybe a little percussion and then on top of that i will have a simple melody and it's just these three elements i go to the studio and i think i need to make the melody and then or maybe i use some more analog stuff and then suddenly i feel that in between two of the notes there's this amazing uh, little glitch or whatever i cut it out and then i go somewhere totally different than I thought. Yeah. So I have like, so maybe it starts with a thought or an idea, but it's always, if, if the track will be good in the end, it starts like this. Yeah. Like and out it of goes control, in unpredictable directions. Yes. And that's when the tracks are the most interesting. I feel. I agree. Um, I wonder what was your first foray into making music? Like what, what DAW did you start using? Like how did you even start in electronic music? Actually, I started with the guy Thomas, I told you about before, but before we knew we wanted to make electronic, I think we were 11 or 12, 
we wanted to work with this uh, Thomas big sister uh older sister uh she was into dance music and when she went to Copenhagen to rave all the time we were like oh this uh, is amazing we were listening to to Cascada and like yeah she did trend, right <laughs> and then something he knew that we, you could get like this software called dance EJ so we got this and we were working with it and it was super nice for two hours and then, then we just shut it down and then we went back to it a few times but after then you know this the thing I told you about before the interview I heard with Trent I started in Logic and I think that was more like coincidence. I, I think I talked to a guy who said Logic is the shit and I started doing that. That's so interesting. Yeah, and I and I still work in Logic. I also work in Ableton, but that's for my life set. Oh, interesting. It's, it's, so no. would you say you work more on your like productions in Logic and then you're converting those productions to live in Ableton Live? Exactly. Yeah. So, so everything is produced in logic. And I think I kind of like the idea of having this old school door with just have the tracks and you put on a chain of yeah. whatever you want. And then you, you take it from there in a bit more old school way. And because, and you know, I, I really also like Ableton and all that you're able to do in Ableton, all these creative sure. processes and it's very intuitive and all this, but I have this kind of flow in my studio with my stuff outside the, the the box right yeah so for me it was never and I, I never felt like i was missing maybe it's actually because these kind of this frame these four walls that logic is also right was kind of a nice way to to limit the possibilities a little bit to focus on the a bit more maybe a bit narrow to the detail or this the the simple melody or whatever sure uh, you mentioned uh, working outside the box. Do you want to talk a little bit about your relationship with like working in the box, working out of the box? Like, is it a pretty hybrid setup you've got? Yeah, totally. And I, I have to say that a lot of my friends are super nerdy, either in the box or outside the box. And I don't really give don't a care. shit about <laughs> like, no, I listen very much. Like I, I like to have, I can hear when stuff sounds good. But I don't care how an LFO works. Right. I know how it works, but I don't. I, I would never. Oh, now I need to do this because I want the frequency to rise. I want to do it like because oh, it sounds good. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt the interview here, but I just wanted to remind everyone that Tatro's new sample pack space is out now. There's going to be a link below in the description to where you can go to get that sample pack. But remember that members at the VIP tier or above to Tetra's YouTube channel get that sample pack for free and it is cheaper than the actual price of the sample pack. There's a couple other benefits like track reviews, getting in the Discord channel that I think will really benefit a lot of people. So check that out. Check out the sample pack. And as always, remember to go to controlfreakclub.com. Check out all the merch there. But let's get back into the interview. Um, but I have a lot of old gear, some weird old uh, you know, pocket synth, and then I have some more classical. I have a Juno 106, I have a Hona Pianet, I have some another old Hona weird synth, and then I got a lot of small percussions, and I got a dedicated area for recording them. Yeah, I spent a lot of time re recording weird stuff, you know. I noticed in some of your tracks that... Um... Uh, one thing that I like about uh, making electronic music is blending organic and electronic elements. So, and I've noticed in your track, you do a lot with uh, hand percussion and you know acoustic percussion instruments. Is that a big important part for you in your music? Yeah, definitely. That that's 
I, w- I would say for many years that was my main point of doing music was to like record stuff and and like editing until it sounded weird so it's like unrecognizable or, or something like this right and back to what i said before that i'm not a geek when it comes to the quality of sound i don't have any expensive uh digital to analog analog to digital converters or anything i just have a, like a, a reasonable sound card just then through that into the daw and i mean i feel it sounds good i never heard anyone saying that it did, does not so yeah for me that's and i think it's actually i think it's very important for me when when up, up and coming producers ask me so what gear do you like the most and does it have to cost a lot to have a good studio then doesn't man fuck that right. so i've been doing all my tracks for the last four years in these headphones because what headphones are there? Are those? Because some people asked in the chat, what headphones are those? Uh, let me see. show them off. So these are the Super Superlux HD 681 at the cost of uh, 15 euros. Not bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's just like, you know, I've been using them for 10 years, so I know them very, very well. And for like, all records for the last four years has been both produced and mixed in these ones. Amazing. So it, so you can, so you can like, I know there, as, there's a lot of people right now saying, ah, yeah, but you can, you can't hear everything. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, but, but it how works much, very well for me. How much of it is it for you? Like you just learned the headphones. So you learned like how to mix with them because you know what frequencies you can and can't hear or what frequencies are a little more prominent. So you mix accordingly. Yeah, exactly. that. Yeah, I think it's that, but it's the thing is also that it, they sound good. It's not like what these these small Adam. No, it's not Yamaha. These old Yamaha speakers that a lot of people use for reference listening because they sound shit. It's not like that because you get the the full experience here. You have a lot. I think I heard some rumors that it's actually, it's a copy of some uh, more. Exp- I think it's AGK. Yeah, uh, AKG. Yeah, yeah, AKG exactly. That you can hear how how much I'm not a geek when it comes to this, but yeah. but this is, is this is nice, and I actually been in a few studios with very good sounding, uh, sound improvings and good speakers, but I always just come back to this, and actually because I haven't, I think it's four, three, four years three years ago, I just had my son, and. Uh, I was like, okay, so do I want to, to work more? Or make more music uh, and i was like i want to make more music so i have to like leave my studio because it's right. super expensive here and i just make made music at home and then i had the in my living room i had this table i could like t- took this out and then i had the sound card and everything and then we have uh, it's called an attic upstairs yeah. with old shit, right and then i had like just the shelves, some shelves with the with the instrument stuff. I took what down what I needed, recorded it downstairs, put it up again, and just made music like that. And you just made and it work for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and again, some people they need like environment that is dedicated for the music to be able to create it. And I totally respect and understand that, but I don't I don't feel that way. It kind of just travels with you, like your abilities, yeah, and exactly. especially with a laptop. Yeah, exactly. Now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I've always, I always been working on the laptop, even so. It's always been a thing for me to go to the studio and record stuff, and then work on it when I came home, right? Right. 
I mean, that's the luxury that we have now with a uh, portable technology <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that. Um, exactly. Are you are you in a dedicated studio or at home? I'm at home. This is a dedicated uh, little room that I use, like for content yeah. and for music. But um, yeah, I've I've been a home studio bedroom producer from the beginning. I don't know. I just need to be comfortable, and I also need the freedom. I think it's a little bit of what you talked about, like when it hits, when the inspiration hits, or when you want to make something. I want to be able to make it. I don't want to have to be like, oh, well, I'm not at the studio, so I don't have X Y Z. You know, it, it, it's the convenience. Yeah, yeah. You want to just make it when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's also the thing for me, right? I have the studio now, which I got recently, and it's actually just an old basement room in the place where I live and it's super cheap. That's why I have it now because right. you know, after COVID it's not like I could just go out and buy a big studio somewhere. Totally. But for me it's but I can feel that now it suits me very well to have this place. After a few years away from it, it's super nice to have somewhere dedicated for it. Right. But it's not necessary to create. Absolutely. I think once the uh, once the work starts being able to pay for it a little bit, that's that's probably the time to step in and maybe upgrade yeah. to something like that. But yeah, that's cool. I wonder, do you want to talk a little bit about because you mentioned it before, like converting like tracks to live? I wonder like what that process is like and and you know what your philosophy is around that about making a track that was once just a recording and now making it maybe altering it for live or at least converting it to a different DAW. Yeah, sure. So. How should I start? I think it was in 2011 or 12. I was making music with Thomas, the guy I mentioned before. And we had this duo, we were called Lehman and Dickman. You can find it on Spotify. Uh, and we wanted to play live. And we were very big fans of, the, I don't know how to pronounce it, but DOP. I think they're French, so maybe Dip or something like this. Yeah. With the, I don't know if you know them. I'm they have this vocalist. No, they have this vocalist called Jaw, and they were just amazing. And they were amazingly fucked up all the time, but it was <laughs> very nice. And what they did was just so they just had this a big analog mixer, and then they just converted all their tracks into like a kick, and then uh, maybe some percussion, and then a, yeah, then yeah, hi hat or whatever, maybe some lead, and then they were playing on top of that with different instruments. We got very inspired by that and developed that a bit and. That was, I think it's kind of the philosophy too. So basically it's just the way I play. It's basically just a DJ set with eight tracks and on top of that, the ability to play live instruments. And one of the, like among the eight tracks, there will be like, it will be the lead tracks and whatever. Yep. So they can be as long as I want to. And then I can edit it as much as I want to. Yeah. Uh, during the, the set. And this makes kind of, and, you know, so I, I just convert, let's say I have a track, I just take the kick and make a six, 16 bar line, uh, bounce it into wave and master it. And then I put it into Ableton. Nice. Uh, and then I trigger with my, I use APC mini at the moment because it needs to be one second. Yeah. Grab it. You know, we love to show off the gear chat, right? As much as we can. So, you know, I use my... This is what my chat wants to see. This is what they like. Yeah. MIDI controllers. So, exactly. So, I just use this one for triggering. Normally, I have my... I think I have bass. No, kick, bass, uh, clap, snare, hat, percussions, uh, leads. And then I can... For these, I can record. I have MIDI controllers, so I can just record loops. Nice. During the set... Then I use this one for effects. I have normally like the core in my live set is the zones 
96, the new Alan Heath. Or it's not that new anymore because it has a, like a sound card into it. So I can Got it. So kind of I sum these into channel one, two, three, and four. And then I can put analogs synth into that and also my VSTs into that. Um, and then I just yeah go through the, the set like this, right? Nice. And are, then, you, are you dividing the tracks up into sections or is the whole track one clip? Like is like the whole song's kick is in one clip or is it divided into sections? The whole track's kick is shorted down to 60 bars. Got it. So it's just loop. So it just loops like that, right? And I can easily take the kick from another track into so you can just mix right. it like you want to. Sometimes it's amazing what a new hi-hat can do to a track. For sure. And that's and these just this small way of changing this yeah, I, I think that's really fun. Besides that, I always make a backtrack. So what I do is that I make, I think I, I call, used to call it like the bass track or so bass, not the B-A-S-S, but B-A-S-E, -S -E, right? Yeah. The bass, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I mix these together. So that will be from the start to the beginning and it will have some effects and maybe some leads and something that, that is, so I have something to just, just fill all the other stuff on top of that. Right. And it gives like a start and the, like a beginning and an end to the set, which is super nice and makes me, totally free and i can still go into that and loop it if i want to play something again or whatever got it very cool that sounds fun i'm i'm curious to know what is your rehearsal process like are you just setting everything up and going for it and jamming like what what did the hours for rehearsals look like like i think people are interested in hearing what that's like it's a lot of time i spend a lot of time with that so normally i would take a week to do that so, because right now I have all my tracks. Every, every time I finish a track, and if I'm satisfied with it, I just bounce it into live stems. Right. Um. So, and you know, so I can always just use the, whatever track I want to. So, first part, first part of the process is to just put the tracks into a playlist. What, which one do I want in there? Then I start to load into Ableton, play around with it. And then in the end, when they have the finished set, I just play through it maybe 20 times or something. Right. And how imp how improvisational is it when you go, when you do it from rehearsal to going live? Like, do you find you discover new things when you get on the stage or the energy is different or or things like that? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, sometimes you can just think like, if you listen to it in the studio and you go on the stage and then the energy is just it's not there right but then it's nice to be able to just for example it could be a kick a track that i never played out before live i just made it in the studio and then the kick is just flat or something then it's easy to just switch into another kick from one of the other tracks and make it work from there so that's also the the freedom to just be able to travel through your catalog that right way. and rev saves in the chat asked a question which is kind of i think what you were talking about a little bit but do you ever uh, debut on like unfinished tracks live just to test them out and and see how they go see how people react i would say that i never i would never play an unfinished track but it could be an untested track untested yeah yeah and that's yeah. always you know, what kind of feedback do you look for when you have like an untested track, are you looking for like crowd reaction, how it sounds in the room? Like what, what sort of things do, do you mark as like? Yeah, pr primarily the energy from people, because I right. mean, that's a reflection of the sound in the room and how the energy is and the, the way the track is built and everything, right? 
Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, I have some questions here. I'll continue taking questions from chat. So, folks, if you want to dump some questions in chat, please go for it. But I also have questions here from the 343 Pro Sessions Instagram account because we put out a story and people filled in um, what uh, people filled in what they want to know ahead of the pro session, which is coming up this weekend. So let's talk about that. So uh, Rev Revoge on Instagram wants to know if you mix your own tracks. Like, are you fully mixing and doing everything for your own tracks, or you send it off to somebody? I produce and mix everything, and then I have some people mastering the track. Nice. And so that's a short answer to that. Yeah. I mean, for many years, I was very much in doubt about my own mixing skills. Hence the not being super geek. Right. Into, into this process, right? And then at some point, I think it's four, yeah, four years, five years ago, I used a guy, an engineer for that. And the tracks sounded very nice. Not like my tracks, though, but they sounded good, but not better. So I decided right. to go back to just do it myself. And I would also say that I improved my my mixing skills a lot over the last four years, and three years, after, after this uh, experience, actually, yeah. What went into improving your mixing skills for yourself? Like, did you study hard or were you just like trial and error? Like, what was your process for kind of building that I, skill? I just, I, I just did it a lot. Yeah. And then I started playing much more, which made it possible for me to listen to to it on different systems and, and stuff like this. Got it. So it was just, I get back to just do it a lot of times. Right. Uh, another question. Um, somebody, Guara, says, how did he get his name? It sounds very Indian, and I'm Indian too. That's why. I'm curious. <laughs> so how did you get your name? Non yeah, that's... <laughs> So now, if you're looking for like a philosophical and deep uh, story, then you have to go somewhere else because <laughs> I, I went from being in this uh, duo with Thomas, I told you about, I wanted to try something out, something by myself out. And then I was just, it needs to be, be short and it needs to be easy to pronounce in every way. And it's right. okay if it sounds a little bit tropical. <laughs> and so it's Got just it. like, and then I saw it somewhere and I was like, hey, this is my name. So it has no meaning to it, absolute. Well, yeah. it's a little bit like I the thought, music creation process. When something feels good, it is good. So yeah, you just yeah. put it in. So exactly. you, if you see the name and it just yeah. clicks, you know, it calls to you. So that's cool. Yeah. I, I still remember the first time it was, I think it was, I played in Marseille in south of France. And then that was the first time somebody was yelling to me and put, saying, hey, Nandu. I was like, right. Ah, that's me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Recognize yeah, it yeah. as your own name. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Now I like I grew into it now, yeah. Yeah. You've referenced the duo a couple times. I wonder, uh, is there a big obviously there must be a difference between being in a duo or being solo and maybe do you prefer one or the other or are they just two different elements? You wanna talk about some of the major differences there? I mean it depends on the people who's in it, right? Yeah. Me and Thomas, we've we've been best friends since we were ten years old and we still are. But we are very different. Um, but the duo was perfect for us. It was a perfect place to grow because we had each other all the time. We started playing always, uh, abroad to, together, right? Which means that we could have the hangover and the flight on the way home together. Nice. And we could have the success and the failures together, which was super nice. And also in terms of, I mean, it's always nice to have something to fail. No, to have someone to fail with. God. That was really like a, a huge thing for both of us. Um, I think of, we just we wanted to do different things and had different ways of going there. 
so we it was a natural thing for us to split up and we never had like a fight over it it was not like right you just wanted to do your own thing. thing yeah exactly nice. and we still do both of us yeah awesome i'm gonna keep going with these questions from um instagram um lunatic wanderer asks what are your go-to vsts Oof. You don't have to do the it's whole all, list, but maybe a, a top you know, couple. I, I would say for processing, it's always uh, sound toys or waves. Got waves it. is for the more for me. It's the more old school way of improving the sonic quality on your elements in the track, and the sound toys is an amazing way to to develop your sound into a different directions, to crush it. To, to do something else and to be more creative. I don't want to be creative with a compressor on my kick. I want it to sound yeah. just like this, right? Um, and sound so is just a way to do something else. And for like synthesizer VSTs, I'm really fond of Atuya because it sounds like all the machines that I don't have the money to buy, right? Right. So that's, yeah. And then if I wanted, if I want something to sound weird and different, I would take an instrument that sounds normal or whatever you say and then put it into maybe sound toys for sure i also use uh, the fab filter package it's very good yeah. it's interesting i hear from so many producers like I, I don't know it's almost like everybody feels the same way it's the archuria synths because they sound like the synths and the hardware that nobody can afford to buy right now and then the sound toys for like manipulating sounds and uh, like everything you just said, and the fab filter. Yeah, everybody always brings up fab filter too. That seems to be a pretty good trifecta there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, th I think it's still interesting to see that these, with even though a lot of people are using the same tools, you're able to do whatever you like. You can make it sound your your own way. Right. Yeah, but that's that, awesome. I think that's also the that's also the quality of them that you're you can you're able to do whatever you want to. Yeah. In these, yeah. Question from Mike Ganu over on Instagram asks, um, how do you work your grooves? So I guess the question there is like, I don't know, groove in your music. Like we talked about the hand percussion, different things like that. But how, how do you approach groups? Seems to be a lot about feel for you. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the answer to that. It's a feel. I said in, also in the same interview, as I mentioned before, where I, afterwards I was like, this is a little arrogant. But the, the, the answer is that I played it so I would never draw right. a percussion groove mm -hmm. or would like because i would always play it yeah or i would use like uh, a vst and then i would i would play it right yeah i that's i think that that adds to i don't know you talked about freedom with electronic music too at the beginning and sometimes electronic music can feel rigid and cold and kind of locked in but the elements that you add to the music it does feel more free and more organic, I guess. So that, that comes through. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, what is more important? This is from Juan on Instagram. What is more important, signing new tracks or touring? This is kind of an interesting question. <laughs> I guess this is a broader like business yeah. question. Like, How do you interact with the music business, this side of things? Yeah. I mean... For me, it, uh, I would if the question was what is more more important to create new music or tour, then I would say create new music because that's where it comes from. Right. But then if you start to create music, then it's equally important. 
because it depends on each other, right? So you need to sign new tracks to go tour and you need to go tour in order to people to like notice you unless you're a wizard on social media like yourself or but that's never been my thing you know i'm more into to just be in the studio right how has the past year kind of impacted you with being unable to tour do you find you're doing anything differently <laughs> or are you just kind of trying to get um, through or new skills I've just been crying in my bed. <laughs> Are you really dying to get back out there on the road? Yeah, be. definitely. Also, because for me, my career has been like stably going upwards, better yep. and better. But it seemed like 2020 was kind of my year. Stuff started really to to take off in the start, in the beginning of the year. And also because even though I don't want it, this to be about the money, it's also about the money. Because if I if I should be able to sit here. A lot of hours i need money to for sure for stuff right yeah so and i never had i never been touring uh, enough to like save a lot of money or anything i always been living on a rock so to say and now it felt like something was changing a bit there and then COVID came and then it was just you know i've been living from my wife's salary the last right. year so that's been i think that's been rough but and it's been so hard for me because I, I'm the kind of guy who like I deal with my problems by going to work, you know, <laughs> yeah. try to solve the problem. And a, a lot of people can relate to that, I feel. Yeah. Because, you know, you cannot do that here. Exactly. Well, you can't go out and solve that problem. That must be so frustrating. But I appreciate the like the realness of that. I think everybody needs to hear that. That's kind of how we started the conversation, too. So that is the, the reality. But light at the end of the tunnel, it seems yeah yeah exactly and now yeah definitely i have a thing i'll start having a few gigs uh start summer and then let's see how the whole situation in the world works works out for the next few months let's hope for yeah. the best right fingers crossed uh, one more yeah, yeah, question yeah, yeah, exactly. from uh instagram is a question about chord progressions uh uh what do you well, it says, do you think about chord progressions while producing? So, uh, like, how do you build up your chord progressions? Are you thinking that way? I know with with house and techno, it can be different, but yeah, what do yeah, you think no, about chord I, progressions? I, uh, I mean that it's it's important to be aware of of the way that music theory works and how how notes interfere with each other. But I never been a, a great piano player, for example, and I never, and I never found it interesting to like, let's say, use a use a chord, no, an, an app for finding out which chords you need to right. to go to. And then you take the C minor, and then you go to the the the, the G or so whatever. What you can hear right now, I'm just like, yeah. So I'm always listening. My fingers know how to to do it, right? But I, I just listen again. So back to the to just listen. To, to what the music can like how, how you react to it how your mind react so that's the way I, I kind of develop my my progressions i think sure totally awesome well thank you for everybody who submitted some questions from instagram i think we were able to answer most of them i didn't ask all of them but that's because i think we cover them in the conversation so thanks <laughs> um i want to remind everybody that nandu has a pro sessions coming up this weekend which is like a weekend deep dive maybe let's give everybody a little taste what do you what do you plan on focusing on this weekend what's kind of the format you want to just take us through give us a little uh, preview and what to expect <coughs> on this weekend's pro session uh Yes, of course. I think that actually we've been talking about a lot of the things just briefly today, 
But what I really want to go into is the idea that music is not about theory. Music is about music, right? right. And I will talk about uh, a lot about creativity and inspiration, and then I will show people how I do it. And the thing, you know, I tried to turn the camera now. <laughs> it didn't go very well, but in the weekend we'll have more cameras so I can switch freely between them and show actually how it's done. So I will go into, I, will, I think we'll start to create a track uh, and just record stuff, edit it, arrange it a little bit. Uh, and from there I will record stuff on my, with microphones, try to show you how I'm doing this and how I uh, process it afterwards. Then we will talk a little bit about my live set. I will, but and the thing that was also, of course, be like a shared screen. So I'll show you how I work in the DAW, and also with my live set. Awesome. And and then I will dissect a few track. So I will let you into the some finished projects, and show you how I actually how how it looks when it's finished, right? Because it's always so easy to talk about all this, uh, all these tracks and. Yeah. VSTs and but whatever, seeing it really changes things. Yeah, 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 exactly. And also, you know, because I have sometimes I have super long effect chains on my tracks. That should be is, interesting to look at. It will be nice to like go through that, see how does the sound sound when it's before it's yeah. processed and then afterwards. And go into this. But the overall topic is creativity and inspiration. Nice. Just, that's what matters most to me. Yeah, I feel that. I think that we're probably similar in that vein. So yeah, if folks, if all that sounds interesting and you want to go, like we're obviously just having a conversation today and now, but over the weekend, you want to actually click into these project files and like see these effects chains and see all the gear in action and see see all of this actually happening in practice and, and get a deep dive into that. Please check out the link in the description for a Nandu's Pro session. And RevSaves is reminding everybody in chat to use Tatro Talks, code Tatro Talks, to get $10, $10 off. And I think that that should be really great. Um, well, Nandu, I think that is it. Oh, will be available to uh, watch later yes it will so make sure you head to the pro session site to do this if you want to get more of a feel for the cameras and stuff nandu talked about on the 343 pro sessions instagram account and on nandu's account as well you can see like kind of the multi-camera setup and what's going to be going on so that's really cool um it should be a good time on the pro sessions anything else people need to know you want to leave people with before we go today in this interview i think it's very important that like a lot of my friends and myself has been struggling a lot this last this past year and i feel that i'm about to to go back to some kind of normal uh life again and i started to be a lot really happy again and i really want to share that because a big part of my personal happiness is to create music right so people need to be happy and i hope that i can help the people struggling with music production to feel a little bit, bit more happy after the session. That's fantastic. Happiness yeah. over everything. That's what I always say. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. Uh, let's let's stay on that for one second because we have a little more time. Yeah, of course. Me yeah. Mental health as a music producer, as a musician, as an artist, like, are you doing, like, especially with having such a tough year, are you doing anything like maybe music is your meditation. That's how I always feel like music is my meditation. I also use video games as meditation because it's just something that helps me not think about anything else. Is there any like specific approach you have to mental health for yourself as an artist, especially during tough times? Yeah, definitely. And that's like this. 
if I have to choose one thing above all, it's my family. I have a beautiful wife, mm-hmm. and I have a little uh, boy who's four years old now. And you know, I always it gives me some kind of strength to know that I need to be there for them. And also, when I'm together with them, I feel happy. Obviously, um, so that's one of the go-to's. All the like, if I feel down, I go to them. Also, I do a lot of uh, workout, like fitness, so physical workout, health. Physical health is very important to, because you, your mind is is part of this physical structure that you're that you're born into, right? Yeah. So of course you need to take care of yourself that way. I can also feel like, for example, in this a year like this, we had have like the winter is a very dark year. Yeah. So we've been a lot inside. Uh, eating good food and drinking some wine and maybe too much, right? And that does not help on the mental for sure uh, state. Yeah, exactly. So it's always for me. It's always uh, a go to 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 try to yeah work out or take a run, go for a run or something like this. And then the music. But the thing has like during I think December, January, February, I, I did not make one single track. I simply I simply hadn't had any like creativity left because. Yeah, it was a tough time, but now with the spring arriving and everything, it was just like flows from my fingers to the synthesizers yeah. in the, to the computer. Absolutely. That's that's so amazing. Well, thank you for being so candid in this conversation. I think there's a lot of like reality checks here in this talk that hopefully people were able to take a lot from. I think they definitely were from and, folks in the chat. And that's actually, I think that one last point is to try to keep some like keep your feet a little bit on the ground especially if in this like weird international scene that the music business is today right. because everything very quickly gets stuck into instagram and oh they have more than i do and they play more gigs than totally. me. people have given them more likes and i think this this is not a new story but i think it's very important to remember this also because for me normally this business is about you know when you go travel you meet real people talk to new people like the the people who has a real life somewhere else in the world. And then during this year, in the beginning, it was amazing to be able to talk to people from all around the world. Right. But I also feel that at some point I just like, then it, then because it's, it's very much, it's imagination, right? You imagine you were there or you start to say, I want to be there and you need to stay in reality, stay grounded as much as you can yeah. to be able to be truly happy. Because I mean, it's it's nice if you have a like career that is dependent on your social media following to see it go up. But the problem with being an artist is that you're often your if your job is to be an artist, yeah, it will like merge with your private life, and totally. then you become the person who is only happy if people like your Instagram post. Yes, and that is so dangerous. Preach. And we're all like, and we're all sucked into that. But it needs, we need to find, you know, it's important to find a balance. Yeah. Recenter. We remember it's the art. I, I'm going to go back to what you said earlier. It's like uh, you don't have to make a living from the art. You have to live for the art, you know? Yeah. I think that's exactly. fantastic. Nandu, thank you so much for this conversation. So that is going to be it for today. Remember, before you go check out nandu on spotify he's got quite a lot of plays on there and also check out tetro his newest track ocean view is also on spotify remember streaming tuesdays thursdays and saturdays tune in on the youtube channel check that out come talk to me in chat talk to the members talk to tetro it's really a good time so just go check it out 
will be there. And also head over to controlfreakclub.com. Check out all the apparel, all the accessories you can buy there. Buy something, take a picture of yourself with it, post it on your Instagram story, tag Tatro. Sure, he'll look at it. He might even repost it to his story. So go check it out. Um, that's going to be it for today. This was Joseph from Team Tatro. I will talk to you guys soon.